0: Well, good morning. Hopefully everyone has a handout. If you need one, uh, Larry Charbonneau is right at the back. Just raise your hand. He can get one for you. For those who might not know me, my name is Rich Carrico. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to talk to you today. In the bulletin they had that I would be speaking on the treasure principle, I will be... Alluding to it a few times, but really that deserves another session really to go through it. So our session today is going to be on financial stewardship, which is a very broad topic. And we're going to gear, gear towards and focus really on financial management of your household. And I'm hoping that it's going to be uh, practical and helpful for you as we go through it. I gave this same material at our men's retreat in October. And we geared it more for retirement planning for our men just to kind of go through the process, and I thought it was very profitable. I've also updated the material because there's some changes that we would like to enact in the future. So at the end, I want to let you know know a little bit about that. But financial stewardship is very important for the believer. And we'll get in in just a minute, and I'll give you the reasons why it's very important for the believer. But I've learned over the years that there's a number of believers that kind of fall into two different camps. And the first camp overemphasizes money and finances without having really good understanding of stewardship. And what I mean by that is is that they compartmentalize their giving. They do the same thing with uh, saving or staying out of debt, but it's kind of like the rest of the money that they have, it's just kind of like whatever I feel like doing with it. Then there's this other camp that de-emphasizes money and finances and still doesn't have a good understanding of stewardship. And that camp, uh, primarily, they view money as is, is, is not good. Money is uh, the root of all kinds of evil, so it's not that important It's important for me to give to the church so they have that down, but it really doesn't fit into the principles, what I feel that the Word of God teaches us regarding stewardship. So what I'd like to do today is consider financial stewardship and why it's important for the believer. I'd like to give some foundational principles that we really need to have down pat uh, so that we can be a good steward. And then I'd like to give some, uh, we're going to go through different components of your household finances. And we're going to give some, a lot of application regarding it. We're going to tie that back into scripture and why that's important. And uh, we're going to end, like I said, with some things in this area. And again, like I said, with the treasure principle, I will allude to it a few times. But I really would like to spend another lesson really talking about uh, giving. So with that, if you can just take a look at your handout. Uh, don't panic. There's like six pages there. I plan on going through this uh, for the sake of time uh, fairly quickly. Um, so with that, so for re- I have four reasons why financial stewardship is important. And in 2 Corinthians uh, 9, 11 through 12, Uh, we see that we glorify God and show our love for Him by the way we manage our finances and we give to others. So this is a very important point. This is how we glorify God. We show love for Him by the way that we handle our finances. In just a minute, we're going to look at uh, the actual verses of Luke 16, 11 through 12. And this really nails the point that uh, we are given greater spiritual responsibilities by the way that we manage our our worldly wealth or the wealth that God uh, gives us. And then also, number three, we have a major responsibility to take care of our family needs. And if you look up the verse in 1 Timothy 5.8, it gives a very stern warning if we do not provide for the needs of our family. So another very important reason why. And then fourthly, Which the treasure principle deals with is that our eternity is impacted by giving back to God what he has entrusted to us. And we'll see that as we go through the stewardship uh, process on how we would manage our finances according to God's word. But also not spending everything so that we have margin left over so that we can give to others and we can be rich towards God. But before we get into the definition of what stewardship is and what the Bible teaches regarding stewardship, uh, there's a couple of foundational principles that we really need to have down pat, path. And one of those is ownership. God owns everything that we have that he's entrusted to us. And he's making us, and we'll see here that uh, he makes us stewards and managers of the money that he's entrusted to us. And if we look at these principles from the Word in terms of what God has given us, I mean, you look at, in 1 Chronicles, God owns everything in heaven and earth. Uh, He owns silver and the gold as the Lord's. He gives us the ability to produce wealth. Okay, so we're not just self-made people, as Pastor alluded to in his uh, sermon uh, today. But God gives us the ability to be able to do that. In Proverbs, a prudent wife I always thought my wife was attracted to me because of my good looks. But um, I see that the Lord has a hand in this, and she's probably thinking to herself, you know, I know that there was this outside force that was driving me <laughs> to you. So um, the Lord gives us our children, our spiritual gifts. Uh, he gives us time, uh, determines the times and place that we live, uh, certainly our salvation. And he uh, determines our good works from the beginning of time. So God gives us the talent to accomplish everything that he would have for us in our lives. So, friends, we're not self-made. God is intimately involved in our lives, and he gives us everything so that we can be, so we can, number one, glorify him, but also be a wise steward with the resources that he's given us, which is finances, talent, and our time. Our next uh, principle i like to look at is stewardship. And stewardship is the position and duties of a steward or manager. Those and duties or, or responsibilities include managing an entire household, running a business, overseeing finances and investment, and provision for, for others on behalf of all or on behalf of the master. So you can see that stewardship encompasses a lot of different areas in running the household, your particular household, uh, for your family. We can see that it includes for, obviously, paying the bills. If you have children, you have a spouse, you have to provide for them. You think about education. When you retire, you need to plan. You young people out there today, you need to be able to plan for your retirement. Companies are not providing for uh, your retirement the way that they used to. I know my retirement is is based on, you know, what I'm able to set aside. So that's certainly an area as well. But God governs all these areas for us, being the proper steward. And that every every spending decision that we make is a spiritual decision. Because God is entrusted to us with the money that he's given to us. And so we need to be wise managers to make sure that we're meeting all these different responsibilities that we have in our lives. And then also, we want to make sure that we're giving back to God and we are meeting the needs of others. So we look at, and I mentioned about Luke 16, 11 through 12, and these are just great verses. It says, Who- Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, the money that the Lord provides us with, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, which is the Lord's that he has given to us, who will give you property of your own? So we can see in these verses that managing your household budget, managing your worldly wealth or the or the money that the Lord has provided for you is very key in in terms of if you were going to be given spiritual blessing, eternal blessing, or it could be blessing on this earth in terms of the opportunities that the Lord is going to give you, potentially in ministry, potentially with with finances, that He could give you finances so that you can be able to fund um, different uh, ministry uh, opportunities. So we can see here that there's a great importance of managing the money. It's not just giving, but it's managing all the resources that God has given us. And then in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it says, Moreover, is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And that's our goal with our, finan- with our finances, that we want to be found faithful to the monies that the Lord has entrusted with us to make sure that we are adequately taken care of all the different responsibilities that we have, but also uh, the treasure principle and being rich uh, towards God. So I've got a couple of lists here of just, you know, before we get into the different uh, uh, components of running your household uh, financially, of just having a improper view of money and then a proper view of money. And I'm not... Um, an improper view is, is that your wealth is an unscalable wall. So I just have this big pot of money, and it's human nature, sinful nature, that we think that we've got comfort into that, uh, in that pot of money. So it's like an unscalable wall that uh, Proverbs talks about. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. A man's life does not consist in abundance of his possessions. So we don't need to play the game the pastor was talking about in a prior hour, that we need to amass all these possessions because that's what gives me value in my life. No, the Lord gives us that, and whoever loves wealth has has never has enough money. And Rockefeller proved that. I mean, or his accountant said, you know, he left every penny, but Rockefeller said that you know he's always looking for that next that next dollar, and most rich people are like that. But a proper view is that um, we supply the needs of others in our overflowing thankfulness towards God. If we have uh, food and clothing, uh, we'll have contentment with that. Um, we, we're not going to store treasure up on earth, but in heaven. Uh, trust, we're trustworthy in handling worldly wealth so we can be trusted with true riches. We provide for our immediate uh, family and relatives. We sow generously and as cheerful giver to God. And God allows man to enjoy his wealth and his possessions. Now, maybe you haven't heard that before. But, you know, God does, he is very happy to share and that we can enjoy monies that he has given us. But let me just say that because we want to be a wise steward with his money, we do that in moderation, not in extravagance. Why is that? We don't do it in extravagance because there are more important things that we need to do. And there's, I believe, brings the Lord glory when we can enjoy the money that he's provided to us, but also that enjoyment is in him because of what he's provided for us. So the thing, the one thing doesn't become the object, and that's my idol of what, you know, brings me joy. But, but God gives us joy. So now we're going to get into some of the uh, uh, practical components of financial stewardship. And I would just say that in terms of concentrating on your uh, financial management of your household, the first step you need to take is you need to have a budget. There is no way you can run a business run a business, or a household without having a budget. You, you have to know on how you're going to spend your money. And we want to make sure that we provide for all the priorities that we have in life, and that starts with a budget. Let me just look at a couple of verses here that we see in Luke 14. If you build a tower, you will not sit down and estimate. Will you not sit uh, sit down and estimate the cost? You have enough money, okay? So you're not going to build something. You're not going to build. We just didn't build this building and just say, you know, we've raised X amount of dollars. Let's go build a building. No, we had to to put together a budget to make sure that that pot of money that we had to build this building was going to be adequate to build it. Same thing with a budget. A foolish man devours all he has, so spend less than what you make. That is a principle that we all need to learn. And then in Genesis 41, it talks about, a very large emergency fund, and and Joseph administered this. It says, take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine. And it's important for all households, and those who've been through Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey talks about putting aside $1,000 for an emergency fund. So we see that. Application, and just I'm going to kind of go through these kind of quick because, like I said, we have a lot of a uh, lot of material to cover. But just to give you some application that can bring it uh, down home to you as you go back and you start thinking, working through some of these uh, different uh, components. But uh, Dave Ramsey talks about having a zero base budget that tells your money where to go for the before the month starts. That's very important. Zero base means is that if you bring in, say. for the month, and that's your family, that's your uh, household budget. For your giving, your retirement, whatever, but you're telling your money what to do before the beginning of the month. So there's no mystery during the month of how you're going to spend that money. You already know that. So that's the kind of discipline that each of us need. This is the one area that I end up getting lazy on. I'll have a budget, (laughs) and then I get busy. Things come up. Murphy's Law, you know, whatever can happen is gonna, you know, end up happening. Something happens with the car or whatever it is, and next thing you know, you're off your budget. But it's very important to have it written down, and then make sure that you go through that on a on a monthly basis. Um, using an envelope system with cash for categories. Now, this is just a, a recommendation. Is that those discretionary type uh, categories could be like entertainment, your food budget. Your gas budget, okay, is that you put that cash in a separate envelope listed for that particular need, s- such as food. So when you go through that, it's easier to manage that one particular uh, category that you end up spending monies uh, throughout the month. And that that helps a lot if you would, uh, if you would do that. Uh, don't be re- unrealistic that your budget will work perfectly every month. You know, don't give up. Okay, if you might get it 85% of the way there, and then you perfect it as you, as you move forward, but to continue to work on it. Learn to spend less on what you make. It's really not difficult, and we'll see in other components regarding retirement on being able to accumulate money. But you have to spend less on what you make, otherwise you can't put away those monies uh, for retirement and also have a an emergency fund. Our second component is uh, using uh, credit or debt. Now, there's no prohibition against having debt if you have a mortgage. Okay, there's no prohibition against it. But also I want to add, it doesn't encourage it either. The Bible does not encourage taking on debt. So I would say in, in this scenario here, proceed cautiously as you take on debt. If you take on debt uh you know, with a, with a mortgage. And I don't know if uh, some of you might remember back in the mid-2000s. It was just before the, the Great Recession hit. And I remember them talking about, um, you know, that we were in a new economy. And that, you know, the principles of, of, of saving and budgeting and all that really didn't have the same meaning that it did during that time before the Great Recession hit. And so a lot of us got lulled to sleep and thinking that, and one thing that they promoted was using your house as almost like a bank. Just go out there and, and uh, you know, get um, you know money from it from a, you know, from a home equity loan, or they had the no documentation mortgages. Okay, they stopped that pretty quick, didn't they? And so you can see that we. Most Americans got very sloppy during this time. There is no new economy, and if we've been listening to biblical principles here and not overspending and trusting in God to provide, that we wouldn't have got into some of the messes uh, that we got into. Some of the uh, principles from the Word it says uh, the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now, if you borrow money, then you you have to pay it back. I mean, in a sense, you are a slave to the lender to make sure that you that you pay that off. Uh, owe no one anything. And I've talked with a lot of brothers through the years that that was their one reason why you shouldn't have any debt. Well, it, it, doesn't, necess- it doesn't mean that. It's not a prohibition necessarily against debt. But make sure you pay your bills on time, is what, what it means. In James, uh, uh, we will go into a town to trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Debt always presumes upon the future. I mean, if you take on an obligation of debt, a mortgage or whatever, is that we're presuming that we're always going to be employed or the money is always going to be there to pay for that car note or whatever it might be. And I will just tell you, the longer you keep that out there, it increases the odds that something is, is going to happen in the future. And you might not be able to make that uh, obligation. So be, you know, be very careful. Like I said, proceed cautiously. And in our application here, we'll we'll give you a couple of reasons what you can do to try to combat that. Uh, In Proverbs, it talks about do not put up a pledge or security for a neighbor. Don't co-sign, or if you do, expect the loan to end up up being your responsibility. Now, it's not an absolute prohibition. It's just warning you, do not co-sign for another individual. Flee from it. Make sure you go to that individual. Try to get out of it. That's what uh, Proverbs talks about. And I will tell you, I have a very good friend who was in worldly standards, rich. And he ended up co-signing on a loan that ended up going bad. And it just about put him in bankruptcy. So I've seen this up front. Now, some of you might co-sign for a car note for your son or... Uh, you know, grandchild uh, or whatever it might be. All I'm saying is if you do that, ex- there's probably a high probability, maybe at some point, this thing's going to come back to you where it's going to be your obligation because you're going to have to pay for it because you're the deep pockets. So you, and the bank will be looking to you for that. So I'd recommend um, do not co sign uh, for loans. Uh, the wicked borrows and they do not pay back. Okay? If you take on a debt obligation, As believers, we need to be able to pay it back and do whatever we can to possibly do that. Hebrews talks about keep your lives free from the love of money and to be content with what you have. Don't use credit to satisfy your desires or lifestyle. Okay. And this is where most of us get in trouble. It's not necessarily the, uh, you know, the needs that we have in life, but it's the wants. And I will tell you, be very, very careful. A big thing right now is um, you know with credit cards and uh, you can get points and you can get free you know travel. I would I would re- I would um, discourage it unless you are very very disciplined to pay off that credit card every month. Okay, so just some uh, some practical areas, but just some application uh, on mortgages. Uh, Dave Ramsey recommends a monthly payment of no more than twenty five percent of your take home pay and get a fixed 15-year rate mortgage with at least 10% down. And I just think that that's very good practical guidelines. If you're going to get a mortgage or if you have one, maybe rethink the terms that you have on there. You know, with a 30-year mortgage, that's a long time to keep that debt out there. I mean, something can happen during that time. So to reduce the interest that you're paying on that, I think this is a very good uh, recommendation. Uh, I don't recommend uh, leasing or financing new cars. Uh, You could be driving your retirement plan. And literally, um, I looked at an article back last month, and it says most people blow 70% of their money on three things. Now, that's just the title of the article to get you to read it. But anyway, they talk about housing. It says, uh, if you can find a place that allows you to spend 25% or less of your a- after-tax income on housing, your savings account will thank you. Okay, well, that coincides with uh, you know what Dave Ramsey has been uh, preaching for years. Uh, but on transportation, it says, having a reliable car is important, but you don't have to commit to paying $500 a month for the next six years to get one. And I'll just tell you, if you, if you have some of these, rethink it because that could be money if you got a reasonable car, good transportation and I believe we need good transportation for our families and to going to back and forth to work. But if you have a car car payment, that money could be going into your 401k or some money's being put into a different uh a retirement uh, vehicle. So I would consider you to take a look at that. The last one that he mentions um, is food and uh it says eating out accounts for forty-three percent of the annual food expenditures, and I will have to say we're, I'm guilty. <laughs> okay, that's one area I need to I need to work on. Okay, I was just uh, joking with uh, Dr. Combs beforehand. Is that this is always a work in progress, isn't it? <laughs> okay, we never perfect anything down here, and again with being busy. I can end up spending a lot of money, you know, it's just easier while I'm out. Now, again, is there anything wrong with going out and spending money on, on food? Uh, there's not. But, again, if you're tied to a budget, and you know this is one of the areas where we can end up spending more money than what we should, and that money can be used for either giving or for retirement, then that would be, I think, a better uh, use of, uh, of your money. Don't recommend uh, home equity or student loans. Uh, Try to do it without it. But one thing I will tell you that is, if you have debt, I think one of the most effective tools I've seen, if you have debt out there that you would like to uh, get rid of, is to print an amortization schedule of that particular debt. So let's just say that you have a car loan for $5,000. You can go out to bankrate.com, and you can put in, you know, you have a a $5,000 auto loan, You know, you're paying 5% on that, and then you're going to pay it off in, say, 6 years or 5 years or whatever it is. So you can print out your payment schedule for that particular debt. I mean, you could do it with a credit card. So whatever debts you have, I would encourage you to put it into an amortization schedule because each month that you pay that thing off, you can just take your pen and just go, just mark that payment right off. And I will tell you that that's an encouragement. Every month, you start seeing that debt being paid off. And this is one of the best tools that I've seen through the years to being able to do that, is make sure that you get a schedule and you mark it off as soon as you, as soon as you pay for it. Our next uh, component is insurance. And um, I have to give a disclosure here. I'm in the insurance business. I am not promoting my agency at all. If ever you want my advice on insurance, I will freely give it to you and then encourage you to go back and and see your agent to have whatever done. But I have on insurance, you're not financially secure until you're adequately protected. Now, you need to think that through a little bit. I mean, if, if you have exposures there that can be covered, for pennies on the dollar with insurance, um, it makes sense to go ahead and pay for that. Now, I'm not for all insuring everything that you have. And one of the biggest things now is, is that you go to, you know, whatever store you go to, and you end up buying a TV or, I mean, applying. You could buy a blender. And they're going to ask you, do you want to insure this thing? Personally, okay, I do not, um, I do not take advantage of these things, okay? Because I'm not concerned about a 30 or 50 or hundred or $100 loss or a $1,000 loss or whatever. I believe, personally, that I self-insure those losses. I'm more concerned about the larger loss that I could have. And we're going to look at some of these larger losses here in just a second. I've got just a few principles here from the word in First Timothy. Uh, pr- uh, provides for his family needs, uh, current long term, so we need to be able to protect against that as best as possible. Always trusting in God that he's going to work everything out. 2 uh, 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 Kings 20 says, Set your house in order, for you shall die. Um, okay, we're all mortal. I mean, we're all going to pass away at some point. Make sure that you have uh, life insurance for your family. And in an abundance of counselors, uh, there is safety. So make sure you talk through these issues. But I'm just going to kind of hit on a couple of these. Um, uh, Life insurance is is an insurance of love. And I will just tell you that I've seen this up close and personal through my lifetime. Uh, Two of my best friends in high school, their fathers had passed away, Pastor Brown uh, being one of them. His father had passed away early on when he was, uh, I believe, in uh, seventh grade. And I saw their mothers. Now, God did provide. He did provide for them, but they did struggle at times. And I will tell you, uh, and I've seen another friend of mine that I went to school with. He passed away, and I know that it is very difficult on a family when the uh, when the major breadwinner uh, passes. So, take advantage of life insurance. There's, in um, regarding getting back to covering the higher exposure. Like on your, uh, with auto insurance, if you would increase your deductibles, because even if you increase your deductible to a thousand or two thousand dollars, okay, that's not going to bankrupt, that's not going to bankrupt you, okay? But now if you have a five hundred thousand dollar bodily injury loss because you were negligent and you hit somebody and they lost use of their right arm or whatever it might be, or you kill somebody and they come back after you for, $500,000, 500000 a million, whatever it might be, you're better off to take higher deductibles to cover that larger exposure that you have with driving a vehicle or on your homeowner. The homeowner's uh, liability is very inexpensive to get at least a million dollars of coverage. Now, when you golf like I do, you carry higher liability limits. And I'm telling you, people get hit in the head with golf balls out there. Facts. What outing I was in, I hit two people with one golf ball. How that happened, I don't know. Thankfully, they were okay. I knew them. It was in a golf outing. But one ball hit one lady in the head, and it ricocheted and hit another lady in the head. And then they were—they went to the emergency room just to take precautions. And then the doctor is like, well, what brings the two of you here? Okay. Well, we both got hit in the head with the same golf ball. so uh, things happen. So that's why we uh, carry higher liability limits. Consider a personal umbrella. They're very, very um, they're, they're not very expensive at all. Our next uh, component is uh, wills and trusts. I'm not an attorney. Um, I've had this work uh, done for me here recently. Uh, this is one area that in our financial plan, that I had um, uh, procrastinated on for a lot of years. Why, I don't know. <laughs> okay. But you need to have, you at least need to have a will. I mean, if you have children, you need to be able to set up, um, you know, for uh, guardians that you would want to have for your children. But let me just say regarding wills and trusts, if, when you have this work done, communicate it with your family ahead of time. You know, we always see in the movies or, you know, whatever show, and they always talk about, you know, the unveiling of the will. Basically, they're going to read the will, and everybody's there with bated breath. You know, what's this guy going to give away? Am I going to get what I think I'm going to get? Do it before you pass on, okay? So you set the expectations of, you know, what you're going to be uh, giving. And then also prepare your family how to handle whatever you're going to give them. If you're going to give them money prepare them so that they're a wise steward of that money you know I wouldn't give you know just to give money so that they can have a more cushy lifestyle I don't know if that's necessarily a good good option and again that's always our default as we give the children money and, I, and I'm not saying don't give your children money because my two kids are in here they're <laughs> thinking oh we can do cut me out of the will here and we are teaching no but and we're going to talk about different teaching uh, to come, really, on, on this area. But prepare your family for, uh, you know, for what you plan on passing on to them. And some of the same principles there. Um, in Galatians, it says a child, though he is an owner of all, is under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father. So it's been a long practice of, of wisdom to be able to make sure that young people aren't able to get their hands on money. Uh, before they're mature enough to handle it, okay? You see all the sports stars out there and how these guys can make hundreds of millions of dollars and end bankrupt, well, this is why. They're not, they're not prepared to handle the money that they're, that they're making. Uh, Proverbs says, An abundance of counsel there's safety. Set your house in order, for you shall die. And uh, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So I would definitely get with an estate planning attorney even if it's just sending up a, a simple will uh, in, in the event that you do pass and, you know, for your uh, for your children. But uh, also the application is, is that uh, get a will, might need a trust. The attorney will advise you on that. And durable power of attorneys uh, to make decisions for you when you can no longer do that. And also health care matters. And we've had to go through that with uh, Tracy and I, both sets of our, of our parents. But do that ahead of time. Set that up. So that the event that something does happen, um, your family is taken care of and they feel secure in what they're in what they're doing. And lastly uh, retirement planning and we kind of centered around this a little bit in our men's retreat. And on the second day we had a couple of financial planners that came in and basically went through the financial planning process. So it's very very profitable. They offered even that we could go in there and talk to them, and they would basically take a look at what we've already set aside for retirement and kind of do a plan. You know, how are you set for retirement? Or, you know, hey, Rich, you need to change a few things. And I went in there and I saw and it was uh, it was very helpful helpful for me to be able to do that. But like I said, most of us are going to have to plan for our retirement, and this is to provide for our family when we when we would uh, when we would stop uh, working. But today planners will tell you, I mean, based on um, the mortality table, the years increasing of when you will live today, if you make it to 65 and you're in pretty good health, uh, there's a very good chance that you're going to make it to your mid-80s and possibly 90. So they tell you, plan on 30 years. Okay, now you might say, well, I'll <laughs> plan, plan on being around that. Life. You don't know. Okay, but again, you got to take care of your family. With uh, my wife and I, she's two and a half years younger. Women generally live longer than men, so I need to be able to plan for that—that that, that, uh, that uh, my better half is taken care of uh, after I go. So, some principles from the Word. Um, there's you know there's nothing in the in the bible regarding retirement except in in numbers where it talks about the levite priests were to retire at age 50 that's the only thing you're going to find on retirement so i encourage you if you're thinking about retirement retirement retire to something there's always something that we can do here in the ministry and put your uh, efforts into that a foolish man devours all he has so if you're spending all your money in your budget, your $3,000 every month, or you're not setting anything aside for retirement, it's going to be very difficult for you to retire. So think about that when you're young. Uh, You young people. I have a, um, a scenario here, and this is in the Financial Peace University. They have a young man who starts saving at the age of 19, and he gives money, he gives $2,000 a year from age 19 to age 26, and then he stops giving. You have another scenario where a young man starts giving at age 27 and gives all the way to age 65. So who do you think has the most money at the end? The one who gave from just 19 to 26 and stopped, or the one started at 27 to age 65? Because of the compounding of interest, the young man who gave 2000 at 19 to 26 had 40% more money than an individual who gave from 27 to 65. Put money away. Admonish you. Put money away when you're younger. It, it's the hardest years to do that, I would say, but it's going to pay off big time for you in the future. If you want to see this thing, and I've given it to you a lot of you, okay? I know you think I'm goofy sometimes probably, but the numbers don't lie. The math does not lie. God does take care of us though. He he does take care of us so we can trust in that. He who gathers money little by little it grows. Don't worry about, just be faithful to the process of of uh, saving and investing. Just even if it's 3% of your money, that's all you can do at this point, then then give it. There were years where Because of, you know, a a growing family and other obligations or whatever, I didn't give the way I should. Because I figured, nah, it's not really going to matter in the whole scheme of things. (laughs) I was wrong. I was wrong. It does matter. Little by little, it grows. Um, Be wise and consider the ways of the ant. It stores its provision in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. Uh, That's uh, proper planning. Ecclesiastes talks about... um, uh, diversification of investments, cast your bread on the water, give a portion to seven, even eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper. So basically, broad diversification. I'm not a financial planner, but I'm just telling you that you need to diversify you know, your assets. Let me just give you some uh, uh, quick application on that. And I think these are good things to really think that You younger people, please really think these things through. It's best to set up automatic deposits into your retirement account. So I think most workers today have a 401K. We have one at work. We give a match up to a certain amount of money. So make sure that you set up um, automatic. If you don't have, a, like, a 401K at work, you can set up an IRA. Get with a financial planner. You can set up an IRA, but have it come out automatically out of your bank account. This is something you cannot think about because if you have to think about this every month, you're going to do what I did um, for a few years is where eh, I could use the money here. No, you've got you to gotta make it systematic, make it automatic. Uh, don't, uh, don't underestimate the long-term value of, of saving even small amounts. I just mentioned that. Because with the compounding of interest, um, it, it, is, it means substantial uh, substantial difference. If you take somebody who is, say, 18 years old, okay, and you're debating whether I should get this uh, new game that costs $100, or should I put up my retirement fund? <laughs> Most young people are thinking, I'm buying the game. You know, $100, it means nothing. But if I told you that that same $100 would compound, it would double eight times, be- maybe eight times before you turn 65, go through the math on that, what you're going to have. Okay? I don't know if it's, uh, I think it's $6,400. I could be wrong. But uh, anyway, it's substantial. So that's $6,400 at age 65, and that $100 at age uh, 18, okay, there's a big difference there. That's what I'm talking about. Um, if you're paid biweekly, and I like to do this. Uh, so if, you, if you're getting paid 26 pays during the year, so you're getting two per month, or you're counting on two pays uh, for your monthly budget, so you have an extra two pays if you look at it that way, if you get paid biweekly. Take those extra two pays and put 100% of them into your 401K or your retirement plan. Don't borrow from your retirement plan. I've done this one too. I mean, there's a lot of times I've shot myself in the foot. <laughs> okay, uh, don't borrow. Okay, it's so easy to borrow from your from your retirement plan. But it is much, much difficult, much more difficult to repay that. So don't do that. Leave your money in there. Um, if you can't contribute... At least try to take advantage of your employer matching. So, again, if you have a 401K, they're giving you a 3%. They're going to match 3%. At least try to take advantage of that. It's free money. You put in 3%, your employer puts in 3%. That's free money. Try to take advantage of it as you can. Uh, develop an invest, investing strategy with counsel and stick with it. Most people, what they do, in fact, they, they did a study... Um, Peter Lynch, he he um, managed the Magellan Fund at Fidelity, and at the time it was the best mutual fund out there. But they found that most people ended up losing money in this Magellan fund. So how can that happen if this is the best this is the best mutual fund out there? But people are losing money. What's happening? The problem is is that they're constantly putting their money in. Oh, I'm getting a little nervous. I'm taking it out. So that's what was happening. They were taking it out at the wrong time, and then they were putting it in at the wrong time. So you got a double whammy effect happening on your money. You have to just leave it there. Just be patient. Trust God. Eventually, based on prior results, okay, it comes back. Back in, uh, you know, 2009 is when we hit the low spot in the, you know, in the, in the Dow. Was like went down to $6,500. We'd well, love, love to have that one back again, huh? And everybody was so nervous, you know, but it's come back up. It's over, you know, 22000 now. So what is that? Eight years later. That's, that's pretty good growth. So you have to leave. Leave your money alone. Come up with an investment strategy and, and stick with it. And don't panic in a down market. Just don't don't panic. God's in control. Just do the best you can do. That's something that is out of your control, but just just maintain it. So, just kind of wrapping things up. Um, these principles that we just looked at—they're not difficult. Uh, they're really not difficult, but it does require that we're dependent on God for the results. That we live disciplined lives. That we're disciplined in this. And learning to live skillfully, you know, do a little bit of reading. Uh, one of the things that we would like to do is to be able to offer more things regarding, you know, finances, more resources. Uh, we had Financial Peace University. Um, we we want to have, you know, different books, different resources that you can kind of tap into, other individuals just to kind of talk through some things. Um, so we want to be able to, uh, you know, to, uh, to offer those things to you. But... Stewardship is, is um, being living disciplined lives to bring God glory in every area of our life. Every area, every spending thing that you do is a spiritual decision. But we do that because we love God and what He has given to us and we want to make sure we po- uh, provide for our loved ones. But also, we want to be able to to uh, glorify God and be rich towards Him. And we'll talk more about that in somewhere in the, in the future regarding the, uh, the treasure principle. I've got a few resources. If any of you are interested in any of that, uh, young, you young people, you ought to be beating a path up here to get a copy of this. I'm telling you, this is worth a lot right here for you in, in the long run. And then looking forward, uh, we're in, like I said, we're in the process of developing a systematic financial discipleship path um, which will include a curriculum that teaches us what God's word says about money as well as the practical skill needed to live it and to, and to be a wise steward. So we're definitely going to have that. Uh, on Wednesday night is going to be one of the times that we're going to be able to offer some of these classes. Uh, and, and they're not going to be super long. You know, maybe some of them are, you know, uh, they'll last a month. Maybe t- some of them, uh, uh, two months. But we have some very good plans to go through. Uh, financial piece would like to, you know, take you through that again. Uh, We'd like to be able to offer some financial coaches. If any of you are interested in that, uh, please let me know. And that's just where you can kind of come alongside a brother or sister and just say, you know, let me help you. I mean, it's a very intimidating thing if if your budget is not working at all for you and you've got some debt that you want to pay off. There's great pressure there. Uh, Don't be too proud just to say, hey, I need a little help with this. And somebody can come alongside. This isn't brain surgery. It really isn't. And uh, we want to be able to have those financial coaches to be able to help you. So if you're interested in that, let me know. And like I said, the resource center uh, regarding finances. Now, it is 12 up. Okay, so I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I don't see anybody else out there running around. So is there any quick questions uh, just as we end here? What was that website for the bank? Bankrate.com. Bankrate, R-A-T-E. Dot com. And and just go into the um, the loan section there and they'll they'll say you know amortization schedules or if you want a loan, you can you can just plug in the amount, the interest rate, and the term, the amount of years, and then it'll run you a schedule and then you can print that schedule off. But like I said, it, it's one of the best tools I found through the years. If you have debt or things that you want to pay off, is see that progress every month when you just take that pen and just Right, right through that payment. That's very helpful. Any other questions? Okay, with that, I will go ahead and close this in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace, Lord, that you have extended to each of us. Lord, you have uh, lavished your love on us that we don't deserve. We thank you so much for our salvation and um, uh, bringing us to maturity, Lord, so we can be uh, come become conformed to the life of christ Um, we just thank you for all the things that you've given us materially i just pray lord that you'll give us wisdom lord as we really think through these areas on how we can glorify you in our finances and running the finances for our households lord i just thank you for my brothers and sisters here i pray that you'll give them a good week in christ's name we pray amen